live from the House of LeMay Makeup and Dressing Room. Here comes Amber. Stop what you're doing. Here comes Amber. She's just doing what she can. Here comes Amber. Cue the spotlight. Here comes Amber with two drinks in her hand. The matriarch of fashion. Glasses, you can't look away. Ask her, does she do it? Really nothing to it. She's got that fun and gay. If you have a party, or if you're feeling naughty, call up the house of the maid. Ladies and gentlemen, please turn off all cell phones and get ready for your host, Amber LeMay. Hello, and welcome to the Amber Live interviews. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live. We want to remind you to subscribe to us both here and at youtube.com slash amberlive. You don't want to miss a moment of Amber LeMay, the Larry King of drag queens. There's so much more to the show than just the interviews that Amber does each week. We have hundreds of interviews, comedy sketches, songs, and more on YouTube that you can watch anytime. But in the meantime, you can listen to the amazing interviews right here. Now enjoy this episode of Amber Live Interviews. She's a drag performer, a writer, a singer. She's written books. She writes for other people. What doesn't she do? We'll find out now. Let's talk to Jackie Beat. Jackie, come on in. I do everything. <laughs> I, that's what I've heard for a price. You know, we're all whores. <laughs> Seriously, for a price, I will do ja anything. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, let's uh, find out where did you grow up and how did you start becoming a drag queen? Well, I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, it was a great place to grow up because, you know, if you drive one way, you can go to the mountains and there's snow. And if you drive the other way, there's the desert. And we used to go tubing down the Salt River. Boy, I sound like a real outdoors lady. <laughs> and um, we would go to Mexico several times a year. I love Mexico. And so it was a really fun place to grow up until, you know, all of a sudden you're a teenager and everybody's calling you the F word uh, mm -hmm. that rhymes with maggot. And so, yeah, I just remember there was a point, I think I was like, it must have been just out of high school and, you know, I was wearing a vintage suit and a big wool overcoat. You know, it's 120 degrees out. And I'm driving around town on a on a moped, and somebody was like, "Have you ever been? You know, why don't you move to Los Angeles?" And that's literally all it took. I sold everything and moved to Los Angeles and slept on my friend's couch for a while, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. I don't know about we haven't talked about when I became a drag queen though. So you went to L.A. You were sleeping on that person's couch. What were you doing during the day? Uh, we all worked at Embassy Television, which was at Sunset Gower Studios, and they did, uh, they filmed the Golden Girls there, although 
the Golden Girls wasn't for Embassy. Embassy was like uh, Facts of Life, um, uh, Silver Spoons, you know, all these horrible shows. But I remember, oh, um, was it, oh my God, what? Oh my God, I'm so out of it. Um, it was a long time ago, obviously. But anyway, I remember, um, I think Whitney Houston was a special guest on Silver Spoons. <laughs> if I remember this correctly, it could have been one of the other shows, but she played a pop star named Cinnamon, I think. And I remember we all went to the taping, yeah. you know? So um, anyway, that's what I did during the day. And uh, it was, you know, you got paid next to nothing and you were just supposed to be thrilled to be in show business. And then just, I don't know, slowly but surely, I just, you know, I was, I was writing poetry, like real poetry, and going to open mic nights and doing art and photography and all sorts of sort of serious stuff. And then one Halloween, me and a bunch of friends just did drag and I sort of did it to a different level than they did. And I just feel like I found my voice. Yeah. And how long did it take you to create Jackie Beat? Well, I was going to one of those open mic nights that I went to once a week and they would never, I would always sign up to read my poetry and they would never get to me. Never. Because it was always the celebrities, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. and Ali Sheedy. So it was very, you know, that's how Hollywood is. I get it. But I got pissed off one week and I was like, I need to just, you know, sort of rain on their parade or I don't know, be punk rock and mess with them. So I got in full beatnik drag. So, you know, a black page boy, a black turtleneck, black skirt, black tights, black boots, uh, a black beret. And I wrote this poem that was kind of making fun of uh, the whole thing. And not only would they not let me read my poetry, they wouldn't even let me in the door. <laughs> so this was you, you showed them. <laughs> so I went to Rage, the bar, the gay bar, which doesn't exist anymore. It's called Heart. And it was open mic night and I was signing up and there was a woman with a clipboard and she was like, what's your name? And I didn't have a stage name. So I was thinking of Jack Kerouac and the Beat Poets and just all of that and Jackie Kennedy and 60s and, you know, and I said, Jackie Beat. And it was literally just that's how like this name that's been around, you know, over 30 years now. Came how to all right. So that was that first night there at Rage. What yeah. was your what was the reaction of the crowd? And uh, where did you go from there? You won. They, they laughed. And I told them to snap their fingers because clapping was for scotch drinking capitalist pigs. And, <laughs> you know, I'm going to leave you face down and drowning in my stream of consciousness. It was very, I was really into the beatniks. And the poem was essentially stand-up comedy. But, you know, like I was taking it seriously. And it was about my landlord and, you know, how, you know, he wore a food stain t-shirt and he was a pig and, you know, you know, to call himself Lord of the Land was kind of pushing it. And, you know, he drove a car that was salmon colored. It used to be salmon colored, but the paint job was shot. And now it just smells like salmon. <laughs> anyway, it was just like jokes, you know, but, and they laughed and I won and I was hooked. 
Did you go back to Rage, or when, when did you start expanding your uh, your crowd? Yeah, I remember the first song parody I ever did was at another show at Rage, and I did uh, Madonna's Vogue as Vague. And uh, I remember Julie Brown did her her parody of the Madonna movie, and she did Vague, and a bunch of people you know, called me and said, Julie Brown stole your idea. And I was like, honey, if you're going to do a parody of Vogue, you're going to call it vague. <laughs> yes. She's a friend of mine and um, Julie Brown, not Madonna. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the very first song I did was vague and it used to bring down the house when I did the list of names because they were all sort of, you know, C-list celebrities. And it was, it was really funny and, I just have written a million song parodies since. Since that time, um, were you still working day job? And when did you start being oh, yeah. Jackie the professional? Well, that took a while. Yeah. I think I, I, I had a day job for quite a while. And then um, I think I'm trying to remember when I moved to New York, like in 96, to do Valley of the Dolls at Circle in the Square off Broadway. Um, I think that's when I stopped having day jobs. I just, yeah, I've been pretty fortunate. So, um, and then I stayed in New York. It was only supposed to, you know, when the show closed, I stayed until 2000 or 2001. And then I came back to LA to write for a TV show called Hype. And uh, yeah. So I haven't, I mean, that's a day job, sort of, but. Sure. I, as you were transitioning from um, the Jackie Beat, the, the poet um, at Rage, into va the Valley of the Dolls, uh, who was your drag influences or who were your performance influences? Well, my number one performing influence was Sandra Bernhardt. And I think if you watch me, especially early stuff, you can really see it. There was just a weirdness and a kind of a quirky sexiness and like a, an element of danger and sort of a bit of a fuck you in there. Can I say that? Uh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, yeah, so she was my number one. They're all women, obviously. Um, the funny women from SCTV, Andrea Martin, and Catherine O'Hara, just that, I don't know, there's just something, I mean, that's why I wanted to be a woman. That's why I wanted the character to be female, because I feel like I'm throwing drag kings under the bus when I say this, and I used to say it all the time in interviews, but I mean, you know, to each their own. But I just feel like in this society and in this world and in show business and in acting and in song, women can express themselves more than men. It's one of the few places where you're freer, you know, and I always say a drag king to me always gets up there and puts up a wall of macho, you know, whether you're doing uh, a, a Sinatra character, Elvis, you know, a rapper, the men always have sort of a wall up and the women get to express themselves fashionably, you know, emotionally. I can sing a sad song. I can be funny. I can have people wondering whether I'm serious or not. 
So I just feel like women are just more interesting. And for the longest time, I said, if you're going to dress like a woman, dress like a Jewish woman in the 1980s. <laughs> so that's what you're getting today, sort of. Going to the office. How, how do you classify yourself? As a drag queen, female illusionist, an impersonator? Oh, I, I always uh, embrace drag queen because queen means gay man. And even though now anybody can be a drag queen, which is great, um, I just think it's important to, when you're up there or you know in the audience and I'm up there, and you're laughing at everything I'm saying and doing, or almost everything. Um, just remember, there's a gay man under all this. You know, it's not just a clown. This is a real person and somebody who, you know, has lived through quite a bit. And a lot of this comedy is coming from pain. And uh, I mean, you don't have to consciously think of that. I just feel it's important to have the word queen in there, which to me connotates a gay man, like a leather queen, you know, a drag queen, but things have changed. And um, so, but I, I've had people tell me you should not say you're a drag queen. It's limiting. I've also written a, you know, porn movies, really funny, campy porn, you know, gay porn movies. And I've had friends in the business say, don't use your name use a different name. And I'm like, I'm here to promote one name. And if somebody's watching a porn movie and all of a sudden they see that I wrote it, you know? They're gonna buy a ticket. You never know. <laughs> Very nice. All right, Jackie, thank you so much. We're gonna come back and talk about what you're doing presently. We learned about your past right after this word. Thank you. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live, reminding you that it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJD Pro or by visiting us at AmberLive.tv and clicking on the Support Amber Live button. And now, back to this incredible interview. All right, we're back with Jackie Beat, who told us all about her early life. But now we're going to learn about what she's doing present day, including coming to Stowe, Vermont next weekend for Winter Rendezvous. Jackie, where has your life taken you as a drag queen? Wait a minute. I'm going to Vermont? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Everyone, I can't wait. Um, what's, I'm sorry. What's the question? What am I doing now? So, um, where has drag taken you? I know you've traveled the world. Oh, my God. I was just, I just posted a picture. A friend of mine from high school sent me a picture of me at a cast party. You know, we did South Pacific as the high school musical. And I was at the cast party and I'm all, you know, it's 1979 or 1980 and I'm all new wave. So I jokingly said, I'm not gay, I'm new wave. And I just remember looking at that and part of the caption was just, if you'd have told me that this person would travel literally all over the world, work with, you know, Joan Rivers, Roseanne, Margaret Cho, you know, Jennifer Coolidge, Sandra Bernhardt, Elvira, all my favorites, like just, I'm leaving people out, but I just can't believe it, to be perfectly honest. And I have to say that I'm very proud that I just do what I do and people kind of gravitate towards me because I lived in Hollywood 
And a big part of Hollywood is, you know, always hustling to get that next job and getting an agent and, you know, please love me and auditioning. I don't think I've, I've, I haven't auditioned for many things. Most people just send me an email saying, I wrote you a part in this movie, or I think you'd be perfect for this part, or I, you know, I had you in mind. Um, I, I have done some auditioning, but for the most part, I just think it's important. Just do what you do, be you, and, you know, just attract the people who are into it. Now, you mentioned Joan Rivers, Roseanne, um, and many others. Did you write for them, perform with them? Tell me about uh, that. I, I wrote for all of those people I mentioned, and I actually toured with Roseanne as her opening act and did seven sold-out weeks at the New York, New York in Vegas. And, um, yeah, I mean, writing for Joan was one of the greatest lessons. Like when it comes to comedy, you just need to, you can't be too precious. You just have to throw it out there and maybe it's funny, maybe it's not. You have to, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself on stage, although I have, but in a writer's room, just say whatever. And if it's not funny, maybe somebody else will be, oh, this is that, that doesn't work, but it makes me think of this. And the whole point is just to get to, you know, a, a joke or a you know something funny and Joan always said it was it's almost mathematical you know you can always tell you don't know how why it works but you can tell when it does so what can one expect if they come see Jackie Beat in a show well number one I hope is to laugh that really is my goal just you know just sit there and kind of forget about your problems for a little while and laugh and then I think there's layers. I think you might go, oh my God, like this song is funny, but the bitch can sing. Oh. Because uh, I do sing live and I, you know, I, I think my voice is pretty good. Um, and then, you know, occasionally I'll throw something in that's a little painful. Like I don't do it, I really don't do it consciously. It's just every once in a while you gotta be a little real and you know, that's the way you sneak the politics in or you know the ugliness because you have to laugh at the ugliness that's why that's how we have survived as a species literally laughing nobody told joan rivers not to make a holocaust joke <laughs> you know it's true it's like gotta stay alive gotta laugh about it gotta take the pain out of it it doesn't remove the pain it is a temporary uh respite you know it's just yeah i think it's important to laugh at the ugly stuff so it does worry me a little bit that now you know things are so touchy has that changed your approach to entertainment it has it really has you cannot say certain words nobody it's not about irony anymore you can't get up there and like do a song as a Karen, for lack of a better phrase, like, oh, I'm an ignorant white woman. That's who's singing this song. You're laughing at her, not the people she's, you know, thinks she's superior to. I mean, I used to do That's What Friends Are For, which was Dionne Warwick and, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Elton John. Gladys Knight. 
Gladys Knight, uh, Stevie Wonder. I mean, this was the AIDS anthem. Mm -hmm. And I did that as that's what fags are for. You know, already a bad word. But the whole point was that this woman had her gay friends. And, and the song was about, you know, I love gays, but stay away from my kids and don't do this. And I assume you're all bottoms. And I assume everyone has this. And it was really an indictment of that kind of woman who goes to, you know, drag brunch, but like her politics are all wrong. But now if I sing it, people just hear certain words and just, you know, shut down. So I, I have a feeling if you sang that this weekend at Winter Rendezvous, you'd get a good response for it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. yeah. I might I might just keep it light. Okay. Yeah. We want to thank Michael. Songs, you know, there's no need to I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm getting old. I was going to say, there's no need to make people uncomfortable. That used to be my whole goal. <laughs> yes. But now, listen, I'm a laugh whore. I just want them to laugh. And I just, I could put together the perfect show of just fun songs. So. Uh, do you come, uh, what's your accompaniment? Oh, they're karaoke tracks. Okay. Yeah. Honey, I'm not paying somebody. I want all that money. People are like, Does it, do you have a makeup artist? Hell no. I do this myself. I'm not paying anybody. I do have to pay for the wigs, but yeah, just karaoke tracks. They're pop songs. I only, you know, I do If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher is one of my newer ones, believe it or not, you know, keeping it current. But, uh, and I was, I asked myself, I'm like, if I could really turn back time, what would I do? So it's all about flossing my teeth and eating healthier. And then it gets more ridiculous and more ridiculous and, yeah, it's pretty funny. And just all sorts of, uh, I do uh, Tainted Love by Soft Cell as Painted Mug. <laughs> Why You Can't Hug and Kiss Me Because I Don't Wake Up Looking Like This. Painted Mug. Anyway, like I said, I've written thousands of song parodies. So we'll keep it light in Vermont. Are you on tour now or is this just a special trip? Girl. I was just on my holiday tour and I did, you know, it was brutal. It really was. Yeah. It was just one night after the other. And like, I got sick in Puerto Vallarta and I tried to cancel the show and they were like, you've sold too many tickets. Please don't cancel the show. So I went to this place and got like a B12 shot and rallied and did the show. And it was great came home and had to go to San Diego. And then I, you know, when I write, then I had to do New Year's Eve with Sherry Vine, Hecklina, and Billy Lamore, and that was two shows in one night, and then that was the end of it. Today I did have to get in drag, which is why we're doing Two Birds with One Stone. I'm finally on your show because I'm all dolled up, but I had to go shoot some promo stuff for the Halloween drag extravaganza. I don't know if you saw that on Hulu, mm -hmm. the Halloween special. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, a day like today is easy because it doesn't, no traveling, you know, no singing. Not that singing is difficult, but, you know, when you're not feeling 100%, it's, it's a little rough. So, well, Jackie, I'm so looking forward to seeing you in Stowe, Vermont, this Saturday night at, uh, for Winter Rendezvous. We want to thank Michael Wilson and Winter Rendezvous for bringing you to Vermont. We've got, he's given us the opportunity to see so many great stars um, like yourself and just very happy to have you here. 
Oh, thank you, sweetheart. And are you really going to be there? Or Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. I'm so excited that I get to meet you and yes. you get to see the show. And I will, I'll dedicate a song to you. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. We'll see you Saturday. Thanks, honey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amber Live Interviews. Remember to subscribe to us so you don't miss a single minute of the fun. And remember, it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJD Pro or by visiting us at AmberLive.tv and clicking on the Support Amber Live button. Thank you.